Well, it's been a while. Always good to uh, chat, do a little catch-up for the uh, former uh, New York State Senator. Uh, You've known him well over the years, John Brooks, as far as uh, representing uh, the 8th uh, Senatorial, as we welcome uh, the former Senator. Senator, great having you. Uh, Great having you. Good Good morning, Jay. Good to hear your voice again. It's a pleasure to be with you. Indeed. Um, you, let's uh, let's kind of go back in time a little bit, because even before the November election, you were contemplating, you know, with all the redistricting, I remember, going on, you know, maybe about calling it a career. And uh, by popular demand, you said, you know what, uh, I still have a lot to give people out there, you know, they, they feel kind of the same way. So instead of the uh, notable eight that you had presided in for a long time, uh, you went into the fifth and uh, and lost to Steve Rhodes. Give me give me a little bit of the contemplation as far as that night of November the 8th, John. Well, the night of November 8th, we saw what we expected based on, on what happened with the campaign. What we didn't anticipate is um, the run-up, if you will, to the elections. I mean, the uh, the redistricting was um, was in the end done by the courts because uh, Mike Gennaris failed to uh, manage the proper control of the redistricting process and and allow the uh, the uh, if you will the independent group to to present a second proposal. Um, the the redistricting, as I saw it, for for the district I had versus the new one. Uh, really, um, the new district matched up districts that had significant economic problems by the lack of, with the lack of um, of commercial business exposures in the community to help with with uh, other communities that were basically strong with with um, with the commercial side. Um, it also uh, one of the, one of the keys that I would have had in this session would be the addressing the uh, coastal flooding problems that we're going to see here on the South Shore, and, and we lost a lot of that. So as as I looked at the, the initial cut, um, it, it wasn't possible to win the election. Um, then, um, and I had announced, I guess, on Monday of the one week that uh, I was not going to seek re-election, and then we had the shooting in Texas on Tuesday. And um, I was called and visited by many, many, many people that I dealt with um, in the gun safety area, all all begging me basically to stay in the race, and um, that went on for a week and, and invited to do that. So we knew we were in a race that would be tough. The, the big surprise came, you know, we you, you, you hear these reports of the red wave on Long Island. There was no red wave on Long Island. There was a blue surrender. Um, Mike Gennaris pulled the money from virtually all of us to run the campaigns. We had zero dollars to run an election. Uh, we were in a situation where, you know, if you remember what was going on at the time frame, the, the, the bail reform was a hot issue and had been for several years. The moderates that we had from Long Island 
were very much leading the battle to make needed reforms to bail reform. Um, the progressives wanted no part of that. Uh, so what ended up happening is uh, Long Island was abandoned because the Republican majority leadership cut all the funding to virtually all of the campaigns with the exception of one, uh, one or two. Uh, we were unable to respond to any of the mailings. Um, you know, we talk about the lies in, in, a, in our new um, United States congressman. Well, the lies that were being put out on our records were something else again. While we supported the initial bail reform and a reform made to it because it was an improvement, uh, and we did recognize when it came to bail, there were many people going to jail solely because they didn't have money to to pay bail, and and sometimes they've been there for several years before it, it came before the court. So something needed to be done there. There was need for reform. When the bail reform bill was first passed, most of us immediately began working on needed reforms because we knew that had to happen. But we were in a situation where, with with no money to work with, uh, we couldn't respond to what was going on, and uh, consequently, uh, there was a slacking, and it and it, um, you know, it led to uh, you know poor performances in the congressional campaigns as well. But uh, really, what happened there is there was a blue surrender by the um, the Democratic leadership in the Senate. Uh, they picked up a bunch of progressives in other areas in the in the state, so they considered themselves masters of politics in that they replaced all of us with further progressives. But in reality, uh, you know, we live in a republic. We're supposed to be doing what the majority of people believe. And I will tell you that here on Long Island in particular, the majority of people believe that the bail reform needs further uh, adjustments to it uh, to recognize we, we are putting some people back on the streets that shouldn't be. Uh, that's what we tried to do, but um, by by them um, capturing um, the control of the party and just addressing certain other areas. So we're in a situation where we have a Democratic majority that uh, I believe represents the minority of people in the state of New York when it comes to bail reform in particular. Uh, we also ended up in a campaign where we didn't have discussions on the real issues, which really are taxes. Uh, the governor is pushing um, some programs to increase home ownership here on Long Island, but the key problem to Long Island is taxes. And people can't afford homes because the taxes are so high. We don't get a fair share of state aid. I had uh, pending for four years legislation that would have capped uh, the maximum property tax levy of 50% of the school district funding to be paid by property taxes. Uh, here on Long Island, we have many, many school districts that the local community through property taxes is funding 70, 80, and into the 90% of the cost of education. 
which results in our taxes being exceptionally high, number one, our property taxes, and makes us qualify for the penalties of the salt tax because most of us, are, our taxes are well in excess of $10,000, which is the cut line for deductibility on the federal returns. So we are being punished for the fact that we don't get a fair share of state aid. Um, my bill would have, for many districts in Long Island, resulted in a 20 to 30% cut in property taxes, making home ownership more uh, affordable. So I went on long enough with that, but that's uh, that's kind of the stage that I saw uh, in this last And we're talking with former Senator John Brooks. I mean, listen, everything you're saying is being taken in. You know, I will sell. Th- I will say this, and you know, the bail stuff. There was plenty of time for people to make changes over the years. I mean, listen, I always go back to the Monica Martinez days, why she lost That's right. uh, a couple of years ago to Alexis Wyke saying, yes, changes need to be in place. Listen, they're not fair. Everybody knows it. I mean, oh, no. until, but here's and, the thing. Let me, let me finish. Until yeah. you give a judge full power back, it's never, it's never going to relieve itself. You, I mean, you have to give judges discretionary powers they don't have it you could tweak all you want okay but unless you give judge a judge uh the full discretion to consider public safety no matter what the charges uh it's never going to fly i always talk about rapid disclosure that needed to be fixed new discovery requirements that had to be fixed those are through three components uh, as i've stated that are non-negotiable now let me say this zeldin lee zeldin lost to uh Kathy Hochul by 300,000 votes, which was amazing in itself. You're never going to penetrate, you know, the areas, the boroughs and whatnots. That's why he lost. But he made it a point of contention throughout the campaign regarding the criminal activity. And Kathy Hochul was in denial. You know, she was she was more on the stance that, uh, okay, now you're gaslighting this for the purposes of an election, which wasn't the case. Listen, if anything... As far as the sellout, first of all, Jay Jacobs did a horrendous job, number one, as far as the chair of the Democrats uh, in Nassau. Kathy Hochul sold out in a big way, giving everybody raises without any negotiation. Could have had something on the table, not just to make the, the state ledge the highest paid in the nation. You know, she didn't do the right thing there. I mean, there have been a lot of incidents. Forget Janaris. Janaris is just a, to me, is a chill as far as... Uh, Andrew Stewart Cousins is concerned. Carl Hasty is concerned. I mean, there are so many elements to what went awry. Uh, and it wasn't a wave. You're right. Maybe a mini one. When you look at the congressional forces of Long Island, how they overturned, Zeldin had a lot to do with that. As far as what happened in the fourth, Santos in the third, in parentheses there. Uh, and, of course, you know, Nick Lelota getting into the first and one, which was really never going to be in question. But in essence, those are a couple of factors involved as far as what went awry here. There are a lot of problems. Still, you bring up the taxing and everything else, but I wanted to make it clear as far as, in my estimation, what went on. So, so what I want to make clear to you is myself and others agreed with you 100% with the discretion of judges. We were in the minority in the conference, unable to get legislation to move. We were we were putting those proposals forward. We were being shut down, and then and then uh, I think to to uh, to 
look at history, if you will, Monica absolutely lost on the public safety issue, no question about that. Uh, the next year on the local elections, we lost the county executive seat and both DA seats on that issue. Uh, there was a clear uh, indication. You know, we say, all well, politics is local. Well, Long Island was screaming that they did not like what was being done with bail reform. And those those of us, the moderates, were trying to change that and give the judges the discretion. And we were calling out the problems. We were being shut down. What they were able to do when they took the money away is not only what we shut down, we were shut up. We had no money to respond to anything. Any signs or whatever you put up were ripped down within minutes. And, and basically... Uh, what had happened is uh, democracy failed. You know, the, we, we're in a republic. We're supposed to listen to the the, uh, the request of the majority. Mike Gennaris changed the definition of a majority to the people that thought the way he did and funded candidates that thought the way he did, which I believe is not in, uh, in line with the way the majority of the people of the state of New York say or think so the moderates that were cut down were all people that believed the judges should have had greater discussion the discretion i should say and other reforms that were needed a lot of the reforms in the process i worked with the village attorney in freeport to put changes in that process so that it worked so we were in a situation because we were in the minority in a conference and couldn't get what we'd like to see brought forward, we were in a situation where the record was a record we didn't agree with. We were trying to make change, and what we were done is by, by cutting out the funds, we were, we were just abandoned. Long Island was abandoned, and Long Island needs help. You look at uh, where we are right now with, with the taxes, uh, they're through the roof. The new budget, the you know, local papers are saying it's a great increase. No, it's not. When you look at the districts that don't have a commercial property tax base, they're getting minimal increases in state aid, which means the burden is going to fall back on the homeowners. Uh, we're in a situation where where many districts, the property tax burden on a per-student basis is upwards of $25,000 or more per student. That's insane. But that's where we are. So, um, you know. You, know, you our- also got to look at, you also have, and we're talking with the former senator folks, John Brooks. Uh, you also have to look at, uh, and I always say, you know, Long Island always gets the short end of the stick. I mean, look out, Albany is trying to handle this affordable housing stuff. Yeah. And, of course, Everything always, is always targeted here. Now the governor wants a mandate as far as, you know, how many uh, units she wants to build over a 10-year period completely disregarding zoning laws, by the way, completely. And you know the urban, the suburban life that we that we have here on the island. She yeah. wants to alter it. I mean, you can't, you can't do that. And, well, and not only that, I mean, listen, there are so many other instances involved. Yeah. Uh, and listen... She didn't exactly uh, perform that well during election night, especially in Suffolk County. So, yeah. you know, maybe there's an axe to grind there. I don't know what it is. But well, quite frankly, Long Island is never thought of 
uh, front and center regarding Albany these well, days. And, and, and that's it. I, you know, we got a situation. You go back in time when you had the Long Island Nine. We never got a fair share of state aid. You know, the story used to be that we get 12% and then 13% of the total state aid. Well, when you cut through the numbers, Nassau County got 4% and Suffolk got 8 And then it was 45 and 85 that's not even representative of the population, but if but if you took into consideration regional cost factors, we never, ever, ever got a fair share of state aid. The plan that I put out would have put a $1.4 billion in tax relief to cut property taxes, and for Long Island, it was about $900 million, and overall about a 24% cut in taxes. That makes housing more affordable. We've got to get real with ourselves and understand here on Long Island, our taxes are too high because we don't get a fair share of state aid. The the, uh, salt tax penalty penalizes Long Island probably more than any other region of the state. When the governor is saying, you know, let's give some more money for the railroad, you haven't had to be taxed on that, she's she's not realizing that we're already at a max for deductibility of taxes at a state and local level. So that, that proposal that she's putting is a pure tax increase. It's not something that we pay some more, but you get some credit on the federal and it. No. It's a pure tax increase. The the uh, the uh, the, the uh, mass transit system in this state has never been managed well. It's time we start holding those people responsible. It's let me time- interject, John. Let me interject on that one. Yeah. Okay. Because you know I had the chair of the MTA on last week, John Olieber. Asked him yeah. to take back the comments. You know regarding hey, it's on Long Islanders to kind of fund a little bit here. Really. I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? An $11 billion project that has taken 100 years, and they still can't get it right when they debuted it a couple of weeks ago. I mean, come on. You know, I mean, overcrowding and everything else, it's an absolute disgrace what's going on. Now you got a a 5.5% fare increase in the works here. They're always looking for a bailout. They can't get out of their own way. We got a homeless homeless situation that they are a part of that they have never handled right since day one. They have they, they're almost like, you know, the, the red-headed stepchild for crying out loud. Well, I shouldn't even compare it that way. That's a wrong correlation. But you know what I'm trying to say. They're always no, a little girl with a girl. They We've got to start getting ready. And and the the the, uh, the mass transit system in this state is is a disaster. The ability to build housing on Long Island because of taxes is impossible. The 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 fact that we give certain people tax uh, abatements to do things uh, and they're going to bring jobs and things to the community and that doesn't happen that's been an absolute disaster. The fact that uh, you look at Nassau County just uh, again freezing the assessment values that results in tax increases when when they were adjusting after the last freeze they couldn't even bring some houses to where they were with the correct assa- assessment because 
the inflationary change was higher than, than the than tax levy. We've got to get real with this stuff. The Nassau County Medical Center, they're, they're talking about they didn't even apply in today's paper for the, the funding they need from the state. Mismanagement in government on Long Island is out of control. The burden that's placed, you know, every time I made the argument in, in conferences and stuff, that uh, that Long Island needs help with state aid. Yeah, Long Island is rich. Long Island. So the one the one time we were talking, I said, yeah, Long Island is rich. You just got a report today on on uh, poverty levels in the state of New York, Nassau County by itself. There were more people living at or below the poverty level than the p- total population in 38 counties in this state. You know, no one takes the time to look at reality. These reports that we just got in the paper about state aid and, and the rest, they, they should take those reports, turn around, put in the student population, and show the per-student sp- per spending cost and aid, and, and that would shake the, the devil out of Long Island to see how disproportionate those things are. That's what I tried to do when I was up there. I fought the battle. I was in a campaign for, for re-election with a lot of false information about my record and, and, and blame for the salt, uh, not the salt tax, but the, uh, the um, uh, bail, bail reform, but no discussion of my record. My opponent had no proposal on, on education. His answer to that question on Newsday interviews, I support what John proposed. We got to get people that are starting to deal with the problems. We're not going to fix housing with what the governor's proposing until we fix taxes. The railroads never going to be fixed, and mass transit's never going to be fixed, and we till we turn around and hold the people in, in management position responsible for all of the mismanagement and waste that go on. They lost millions. John, here's of dollars. the thing, though, Senator, former Senator John Brooks, with me. You know, it's never gonna, you're never going to win. You can't win with hasty Stuart Cousins and Janaris. You just can't do it. I know it. it. It's impossible. There is an agenda there. I mean, they don't even want the word dangerousness used anymore. Yep. I mean, come on. Yep. Yep. Listen, you're never going to win the battle. You're never going to win the battle with those people there, ever. Well, Unless you know things what? change. Both, both sides are not doing the job, right? You, you look at New York State, we're the highest donor state to the federal government. We don't get the aid that, if you will, the red states are getting. You know, they want to divorce. The red states want to divorce with the blue states. Well, and then they want to cut spending. Well, the the red states are the ones that are getting the money. We're not. So if you want to cut, start start cutting, start providing us some state aid, and let's let's eliminate this salt tax nonsense. We pay in too much. Abraham Lincoln, when we had first taxes, recognized that you needed to allow state and local taxes to be fully deductible. We we took that away from the people, and we've got corporations that are paying no taxes. Uh, and and then not even treating their employees fair in terms of what they're receiving in benefits. The system is broken. We need to put term limits in place. We need to extend these terms a little bit longer. In two years, you can't do it. And we need to clean up 
uh, how money is spent in these campaigns. And, and you know, you sit there, our, our friend there, uh, Big George, you know, one of his comments that was so honest is, I did what I needed to do to get elected. Well, you know, well, look at the vetting process, though, John. Look at the vetting process. How would it fail? It, it completely fell. And yeah. this guy was an imposter from day one. Yeah. Day one. And look, and look at him parading around. I mean, for crying out loud, he wants to make the AR-15 the, the oh. national weapon of choice. I mean, come amazing, on. amazing. Come it it is it is ridiculous. But you know what? We got what we deserve. We let the system get to that point. You had somebody that could come in and and play that game. I mean, a, a few of the debates that we had. My opponent never came to the debates, but he came to a couple of them. You kind of shook your head when he said something like, what? But, um, you know, that's where we are. The system is broken. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing regarding these pro- If you want to lower property taxes, uh, but uh, and then you got salt involved. You, know, you would need salt if property taxes were lower, no? If, if, so I, I put a proposal together that capped it at 50%. So you have to do some things to control spending, yes. But for most of the district, but that would get us down. We we need to stop the salt tax. I, I question the constitutionality of the salt penalty. How is it that a state like New York, who doesn't get the funding from the federal government, but is such a huge donor. I mean, prior to SALT, we sent $48 billion to the federal government. SALT added another $15 billion. We probably send more money to the federal government than anybody else. But a cap is put on our local taxes. If we don't get money from the federal government, as it is now, and we have to fund locally, and another state gets a lot of money from the federal government so they don't have to fund locally, how can we be penalized if we get disproportionately less federal money and we pay disproportionately more federal taxes, why should we be penalized because the federal government isn't being fair to us? Listen, I always go back to the fiscal expert. I have a lot of respect for E.J. McMahon of the Empire Center. You know that. Uh, And I always remember the message, you know, regarding the old tax bump 2021 aimed at high-income residents. Sped up an already worrisome flight of millionaires, uh, I remember EJ stated, and eroding the tax base. And it only got worse. It got worse because Albany has not provided any relief. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Uh, And that's what it is. And you look at some of the top earners, they headed for the exits. Soon well, after, uh, Washington capped federal deductions. Yes. And then for the state and local taxes, they gave salt. And that was what back, John, in 2018, right? Yeah. That move, that move alone, effectively. Well, if you remember, Jay, I was raised, elected. Hold on a minute. Now. That move was, effectively uh, raised the New York rate. I think, I'm trying to remember the number. I think it was 5.2, 5.3%. Yep. To as much as eight, eight, somewhere in that area. Yeah, meaning so, that those with the highest incomes had to fork over around sixty percent or more in state taxes. 
Exactly. And the result of that you know, was, look at this. You know they're they're losing about. Do you remember? Six, hold on a minute. New York yeah. was losing about six or seven percent of its seven-figure residents. And the Republicans in the Republicans in the Senate chamber, when we were debating this, were arguing that it was fair what they were doing. If you remember, when I when I first ran, I was still a registered Republican. When that argument went on the floor, I changed parties. The Republican Party has become the tax party in the United States of America. And we sat there and we listened to an argument where they were supporting what was being done because in their districts, they got 80 and 90 percent of education paid for by the state. So they didn't have that problem. So it was okay to do that. Meanwhile, us, who are paying the full freight on everything, were getting clobbered, just like you said. And and and, and we have, have got to put an end to this stuff. We've got to be real. We've got to provide equality in funding from the state, taking into consideration regional cost factors. And if I had gotten reelected, I was going to introduce a federal constitutional uh, amendment to outlaw the salt tax program because we, you know, it's the states are going to have to speak up. But when you're sitting there and you're getting hit with the tax bills that the people are doing right now, that are getting right now, well in excess of ten thousand dollars by their own, when somebody is sitting there thinking about buying a house. And they start with, well, their property taxes are 22000 a year, 35000 a year, whatever, whatever it might be. Uh, you can't do it. I, w- I was involved in a work project a number of years back. I was up in uh, St. Lawrence County on something, and I took a day off, played golf, pulled out of a golf course, and uh, there was a sign, new houses, 69.9. So I said, what could that be? So I went down. It was a four-bedroom, two-car ranch. Sixty-nine nine Long Island. It would probably be five hundred thousand dollars. You know, we 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 we're, it, we've got such discrepancies here, and Long Island is you know ten thousand or so. Most people in Suffolk County have less than that for taxes. Yes, I and know. you know what the you know what the most egregious part of everything is, and you go back to the days of Cuomo. Okay, we send more money. To this freaking federal government than any other. Yes. Any other state in the union. We are the highest donor state in the union, and we are one of, I think we might be third lowest recipients from the federal government. It's It's an unequal exchange, and I think that alone should make the concept of the salt taxes unconstitutional. How can you send more and get less and then be penalized for it? That's what we're doing. An absolute disaster, including the president's budget put forth yesterday, you know, wanting to knock off $3 trillion from the deficit over a 10-year period. Yet nobody recognizes the reckless spending that has gone on here over the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an absolute disaster. It really is. And I say it's always a trickle-down effect, John Brooks. Always from the top state into the local aspects of things. Yeah. It's a complete disaster. But 
In any event, uh, it's a good discussion. we got to continue to have these discussions. Uh, they are very important, and we can't thank you enough for a couple of minutes. I look forward to the next time. Let's not have such a big gap as far as discussions are concerned. How's that? You know, the gap was good, Jake, because you get a chance to, to look at what's going on. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be doing a book, I think, on um, what happened not just in this in, in Albany in this campaign, but how politics in this country has changed and how, uh, you know, right now we, we are not following the fundamentals of, of the Founding Fathers. This is not a country where the majority rules right now. Uh, and special interests are controlling what's going on. Corporations are getting benefits that are making it impossible for us. And uh, I think um, we don't need career politicians. We need people that go in there for a given period of time and get out. And uh, and I think parties are broken. John, we need common sense. We don't have it yes. anymore on Absolutely. any level. We need Absolutely. solutions. But I'm yes. talking about sensible solutions. Yes. And it starts at the top. And we have nothing in Washington, by the way, regarding common sense. Zero. I know that. That's well, where it all starts, and certainly we got nothing in Albany. Nothing I, in Albany. There, too. I agree with nothing. you there, Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. All right, my friend. Good talking. And you're welcomed on this program at any time. You know that.